Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky, here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, what I want to discuss today is something that I have experienced in other parts of my life, uh, and I really haven't really translated to the spirituality side of my life when I look at my religion and my faith, um, but it's something that I know that it exists. So to put the conversation in the right context, when I came out of college, I didn't have sales training from any really good manager. And I worked in different sales jobs at different companies since I was basically 18 until, uh, you know, 23, 26-ish, somewhere in there. Um, I met a good sales teacher. He's the best one I've ever met in my life. And quite frankly, I wouldn't be here today without his teachings. And one of the things that he pointed out is that I had blocks inside of my mind that kept me from really being able to make things happen that needed to happen in terms of I was holding myself back. I had concepts in my head basically saying that people buy from their friends. Well, how many friends do you have that are have X amount of money to lend to you? So how are you ever going to get one? And there's this mental block that holds you back from it. And long story short is, is I was able to be taught that most of this was not real in real life. It was kind of made up problems. And he used the term head trash as kind of what was getting in my way. So I look at this in terms of spirit, uh, spirituality and trying to live the faith. And I feel that I am getting conceptual head trash in my head for a lack of a better way to say it, where I think that, something is holding me back or the way I'm looking at something would almost not count what I am doing well. And this kind of stems from the conversation we had a month or so ago now, I guess, about giving up your pain and your sacrifice um, to Jesus. We were talking about, as we were going through Lent, that we all go through pains and sacrifices and that to be something that to help us grow in holiness, to recognize that the pain of fasting, of of not eating as much, you literally getting hunger pains, Christ went through that and it helps you relate more to him. So this is the misconception that I've been trying to figure out a way to, to lay the groundwork here for was in my head. And maybe this was ever explicitly said to me, maybe it wasn't, um, that if you weren't doing something wholly and only for one purpose, um, in, in the terms of what we're discussing here, a sacrifice solely for Christ, then the impression was made to me, well, then it doesn't count. And I think that that is something that I'm having personal issues with as, as I'm trying to figure it out. Um, as I started looking back at this and stuff that I was probably taught when I was young and trying to put it in an adult mind, it's not really adding up. So before I go too far down the road of all of my particular wrong quagmires, I'm assuming that I'm not the first person who's ever had a misconception taught to him in childhood, or at least in a child's mind interpreted something that is causing roadblocks and confusion in adulthood. So I want to start there 
before we get into my personal weeds of, of life. Okay. I think I followed that. You can tell me if I'm not getting it right. Okay. Uh, so the question is about whether uh, if you make a sacrifice, it has to be somehow explicitly for Christ to count, so to speak. Yes. Yeah, so like if I was getting benefits from it or if other people were benefiting from it, it almost wouldn't count. That was essentially the impression dash teaching I was given. So one would ask the question, what counting means for one thing. Uh, and, and, you know, so the, uh, anywhere that we're reducing the faith to a sort of quantitative system is, uh, always something we should raise a little bit of, uh, suspicion about, or, or reflection about, um, as we've talked about, and as I tirelessly repeat in every context that I'm in, um, reconceiving of our faith in terms of relationships is very helpful. And then uh, especially the spousal relationships. So it's the, the fullest expression of uh, human relationship between a, a, a man and a woman committed to life and marriage, open to the, the gift of children. F- friendship has its own kind of dimensions that may overlap with that spousal relationship. But in any event, when you think of uh, making a sacrifice for your wife, uh, you know certainly those explicit sacrifices have a special quality to them. You know, if you if you buy a gift for her, or you specifically sacrifice uh, for her, you know, then that has a particular value to it that she's going to appreciate. And so uh, that's that's certainly a good thing. You know, when you when you take out the garbage uh, for your wife or when you uh, go out of your way to, I don't know, uh, fix the car or cook dinner or, uh, you know, provide, uh, you know, buy a gift or something along those lines, then that has a, a particular value to it. Making it explicit is, uh, is, is something beautiful. And on the other hand, there are a lot of sacrifices you make that are indirectly for her. Uh, you make a, a lot of sacrifices to work, and that's a whole mixed thing. I mean, you enjoy the work. You uh, have other benefits from the work. You have other people that you're working for or that you know benefit from the work uh, in, a, in a different way. Your contractors depend on you. Your you know, colleagues uh, or whatever depend on you. And so there's a mixture of things, but, but your work in a, a kind of ultimate way and fundamental way is oriented toward providing for your family. So in some sense, every sacrifice you make for work is also a sacrifice for your wife. And you may think about that more or less explicitly. Uh, and, you know, that's, uh, that has a value to think, and sometimes it might even drive you. Maybe you don't feel like working or you, or you realize like, if I push myself, I could make another, you know, $5,000 today, but I kind of don't feel like it, but well, I want to do it for my wife because she could really use that $5,000 or I could buy a gift for her or whatever. And so, you know, it might push you to do something explicitly for her that doesn't have to be explicitly for her because it could just be whatever, what you do as part of work or you know, just the the joy of having a, a larger uh, net revenue at the end of the year or something like that. So 
I think that's the, a helpful space to think about sacrifice in terms of God as well. We have a relationship with God. We can make some explicit sacrifices, like when I go out of my way to stop into a church, you know, maybe uh, I used to do this. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's not quite as easy now, but on the turnpike between the Bedford exit and the Somerset exit, there uh, was a stop off point that you could park on the side of the road and walk up a stairway and visit the uh, St. John's, which was the Carmelite novitiate. It's a beautiful church in, in New Baltimore. And uh, I drove past that way a fair amount because I was driving to and from DC, the DC area to visit my family and coming up the turnpike, I would, in one direction, you can park and then walk. Uh, there's a, there's a footbridge that goes across. Actually, it's a normal bridge, but you can, it, it can be a footbridge or you can park on the side that the church is on. And you can walk up a stairwell. And that was part of the deal when they leased or whatever gave the land for the building of the turnpike. They said, well, we'd like to just have a sign here that advertises mass times. And we'd like to have a little stairwell so that people could access the church, uh, which you have to go up, you know, about 40 stairs, probably it's quite a steep hillside. Um, but all, all of that is to say, you know, when I drove past there, uh, I pull over and uh, go make a little visit in the church. And that was a sacrifice. And it was very specifically for God. I, I wasn't getting anything else out of it. Uh, n- nobody else, you know, was going to give me any credit for it. It didn't really matter to, to anybody. I wasn't making any money. There wasn't any side benefit. It was just very explicitly for God. Now, a- as a little side story, I ran into a guy one evening when I was up there about seven or eight o'clock at night and he was kind of hanging out in front and he said, are you the pastor here? And I said, no. I said, I'm just visiting. And he said, oh, I said, where are you from? And we talked a little bit. Well, he'd been away from the church for like 30 years and he was coming looking for the priest to go to confession. And I just walked into that and heard this guy's confession. And then I disappeared. We never seen each other again. Anyway, the things that God does, he probably isn't sure if I was like a saint or an angel or something like that. But, um, you know, when we make things, uh, no, I didn't go up there looking for a person, but that's, you know, when we make a a sacrifice explicitly for God like that, or, or when you give money, you know, uh, and again, you can give money for different reasons. When you, when you're going to church and you put money in the basket, you make out your check, you use your envelopes, whatever it is you can kind of have mixed feelings. You know, sometimes it's just like your duty. Sometimes you really say like, no, I want to make this offering for God. Well, it's, there's something beautiful about being explicit. You know, you can uh, add a little affection to that, add a little love to that, not just make it a, a duty, just like with your wife, you know, I guess get up and go to work because it's my duty. I get up and go to work because I love my wife and my children and I want to provide for my family. It makes a difference, you know? So the external behavior isn't different. The the external behavior is the same. You get up and you go to work, but the internal attitude makes a difference. You know, so uh, there are those kinds of things. Now there are a lot of things that we do um, that we can we can make that internal attitude shift. But in general, we're living our Christian life faithfully. When we live a moral life, we're making a lot of sacrifices and. Uh, There are a lot of ways that we're not self-indulgent and that we're, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more careful, that we're more moral, we're more generous, we're more charitable, we're more kind. And and some of these things we just do because that's the character that we've developed as Christians over time. 
and that has to do with virtue and you know the the habitual disposition to do the good that we've talked about in other episodes. Um, sometimes we really push ourselves and and say, you know, I, I like to encourage people when they're going to fast, for example, and maybe they're going to go all day without eating any food, and it's going to be hard. You know, the middle of the afternoon, it's going to be hard. In the evening, it's going to be hard. And how do you persevere in that? Well, hopefully out of love. And you say, you know, God is worth it. I want to make this sacrifice for him. I want to do this thing for him. Now, as you develop the virtue of fasting, it does get a little easier. And you may make less explicit reference to God as you're doing it. It doesn't make it less valuable. Um, there might be an opportunity there to direct your attention to him more. But but we do develop a habitual disposition to, towards the good. We develop virtue as we live the Christian life. And that's going to also motivate and govern certain sacrifices that we make. Now, there might be something like, uh, this is where Christianity, you know, has a beautiful dimension to it. Christians get cancer just as much as everybody else does. Uh, Modulo, whatever cancer comes through, uh, vices that maybe Christians are doing a little bit less than other people. But for the most part, uh, cancer is, uh, you know, equal opportunity. It strikes Christians and Muslims and and, uh, atheists and everybody else, you know, so, but when a Christian gets cancer, a Christian can say, well, this is an opportunity to offer this up for God. Now it's, I didn't choose it. Uh, I, I didn't want this to happen. I don't like it, but I'm willing to endure it. And I'm going to make an offering of it. And, uh, that's, uh, Scott Hahn, in a, I was with him a couple of weeks ago at a clergy conference, and he said, suffering is transformed by love into sacrifice. And so when I accept the suffering of the cancer, for example, or a, or a broken leg or a, a, a disaster situation that, you know, uh, whatever it is, when I accept the suffering and I offer it to God out of love, I can make it into a sacrifice. And now my, uh, you know, the somebody's cancer uh, might have uh, some meaning and purpose and, uh, and a value because love for God can transform that suffering into sacrifice and, and it can become an offering. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing that, you know, the way that we handle the suffering, whether or not we make it an explicit offering to God, the way that we handle it still matters. And that's, again, like I said earlier, you know, you do a lot of things that are ultimately for your wife. You may or may not think about it explicitly as being that. But the beautiful thing is we can make all suffering an offering to God. And then it it has it gains a, a little additional value to it, a little little more meaning to it, gives us a little more purpose and and uh, enduring it and offering it. Uh, so so hopefully I covered the subject uh, somewhat. Maybe you have some some questions to go into a little more deeply about all of that. Certainly. And as you were mentioning about fasting, I, I I'm living that now. Um, I. I heard myself say when we were recording in March that I didn't think I'd be able to continue fasting throughout Lent into the summertime. And, and I kind of took that as, well, why not? You know, you, you had brought up in the past that we all should live like every day's Lent, but sometimes we're not smart enough to do it. And looking at just the, the element of fasting, it's exactly as you said, in the beginning, it's, 
it, it's it's incredibly hard. Um, but it's also something that that I have gotten used to. So does the does the siren inside of my body saying you're hungry and it's time to eat now still go off? Yeah, but it's like any other siren in the world. I've kind of learned to ignore it, and you know it, it goes away. Um, now, are there other benefits of this? Yes, I, I'm physically getting smaller. I'm, I'm losing weight that I probably never should have put on in the first place. Um, so I'm you know obviously getting a benefit out of that, and I like whenever I go on the scale and, and see that that there's progress to it. And that's the kind of thing that that I appreciate you you addressing here because, you know, I I, I look at at for instance what what I'm doing for Joey here, and to me, my thought process is the absolute best thing I can do for him is be good to to my marriage, um, because while I can help him crawl and learn how to walk and all that fun stuff and say a couple of words. Um, you know, if the marriage falls apart, then he's more damaged than any individual thing I could do at this point. And, um, that's how I look at it. So at the end of the day, I don't know if sacrifice is the right word there, but I, I believe that doing actions that make the marriage better help him, even if he's unaware that they ever exist. And, I guess where 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 my my confusion is is the starting point of what, what you said in the beginning here is trying to put a mathematical equation into a relationship just never works. Um, it, it, it's it's not feasible if you look at it like that. There's no if I just give enough money to this, the problem goes away. Well, that's not how relationships work. Um, you know, at the, at the end of the day. You know, I own a life insurance policy. It says that I am worth X amount if I would die. But I am sure that um, Teresa would way rather have me around than that check. And I think that that's what I'm trying trying to say here is, yes, is is it important that that I do stuff with her and I do stuff with Joey? But ultimately, Joey benefits by Teresa and I being strong. Um, and the other part of it is, is I benefit from it all the way, too. And I guess that's the misconception that I'm trying to deal with the most, that if I'm getting something out of this, it almost feels as if I'm taking away from someone else. Um, and that's that's the child imprint that I was having put upon me. And looking at this kind of through um, adult eyes, it, it seems that, well, no, if you're building something better, many more people benefit from it and it would stand to reason you yourself would also benefit from, from it as well. Whatever the, the act of virtue is, you know, I get, as you said, there's benefits of me going to work. I get skills. I can now build stuff that I wasn't able to do um, 10 years ago. Like I can basically build a whole house, um, need help because I, it's a lot of labor, but I know how to do it. Um, did I know how to do that 10 years ago? No, but there's benefits of, of all this stuff. So, um, like I said, the, the, the conflict I was having was if I was getting something out of it, then therefore I had to be taking something away from God. But as I'm looking at this as an adult eyes, I think what I'm trying to see is that, um, you know, it, it, me making things better for everyone has a ripple effect, um, in, in ways that, that I will never see, even if, and I'm not 
personally think I'm bad at making things explicit. I think I just tend to do things, um, which sometimes is better than other times. But I just do things instead of, of you know fully making everything explicit about this is why I'm doing it, um, which can lead to communication problems. But that's I think that's my personality more so than anything. But I wanted to to really kind of touch upon that because I know that this feeling I have, and again, maybe it's just I had a bad teacher and our whole class just had this same type of feeling, but looking at it through adult eyes, it just doesn't seem to to line up. Well, there's, there's certainly a need to purify our motives. And, uh, you know, on the one hand, like you were saying, as I said also, you know, it feels good to do good. And so the fact that it feels good doesn't mean that it was impure in our motives. Uh, but we're always in a space of like, kind of, kind of like you said, you know, with fasting, um, I started fasting for God. I discovered that fasting is also good for my weight. I feel good about my weight. I want to keep fasting for my weight. <laughs> we can, we can end up transitioning totally off of the pure motive onto the self-serving motive. And, and that's where we just have to be honest with ourselves. And a lot of times that gets tested along the way. You know, it's like, okay, well, uh, the, the weight thing is a little bit harder, but, um, you know, uh, sometimes, so this is what, these are the kinds of things that Jesus says in the gospel. Well, you know, invite people to a banquet. Uh, okay, good. Uh, now invite people that can't repay you. And then we see where it catches in our heart. Now we might say, great, I just want people to come to the banquet. I want to share the wealth, the, 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 the goodness that God has given to me. I want to give to others. And some people even get to the point that they really enjoy uh, serving people who can't repay them. They really come to love the, the homeless, the poor, the, uh, the outcast, the marginalized, uh, because they really come to see Jesus in those people. And uh, there's something really special and beautiful about that, and and we can come to appreciate that. But even in that space, okay, so there's like five guys that are kind of uh, interesting and such a different world and beautiful to connect with. But there's like two or three other guys that are really manipulative and irritating and uh, smell bad, and I'd rather not have them around. And do I remain with the pure motive of serving those who can't repay me for the sake of uh, Christ's command to me? Or do I slowly prefer the five guys that are more interesting to me and thus repaying me in a different kind of way and exclude the three guys that can't repay me? You know, so we get these little tests that, that have a way of purifying our motives. Um, I meet with a lot of people for spiritual direction. And, uh, you know, there, there are people who are kind of like, who can repay me, uh, just to say it uh, in that way. You know, either um, I, I don't literally ask for payment from anybody, but, but there are certain people that give back to me and I can see the benefit. And, um, and there are people that can't. And, you know, how do, I, how do I govern the way I spend my time? Do I only spend my time with important, powerful, influential, interesting, enjoyable, et cetera, people? Or... Do I do I really try to be open to whoever the Lord sends me and make sure that I'm also, um, you know, spending time with with people who can't repay me? Just to use that image again. So there's there's uh, those little checks, you know, and it's like, okay, so to take it into the household, you do things for your wife, and uh, maybe you have a 
a very attentive wife who notices everything you do for, and she always thanks you. And then one time she doesn't thank you. And then do you do it? Or, or maybe you're doing something that she doesn't realize you're doing. And so she's not going to thank you. Are you going to kind of subtly make sure that she knows what you're doing so that she thanks you? Uh, or, or are you going to allow it to remain a little bit obscure and not put your name to it? We have a lot of donors in the church too, you know, and there, there are people that give and they kind of like to get something back for it. And I can understand that. And so they like to have a building named after them, or a, they like to have their name on a stained glass window, or they like to, you know, be inscribed somewhere. And there's something, it's not evil, you know, but um, are you willing to do it if your name's not attached to it? Are you willing to do it if you're not going to get something back for it like that? Are you going to, are you willing to do it anyway? And those are the ways we have to keep testing and purifying our motives and, and just try to be honest with ourselves and, you know, not to get scrupulous or fixated on any of that. But uh, the more purely we can do something, you know, there's a, uh, there's a special grace there. God gives us a tremendous amount without us ever explicitly acknowledging him about most of it. God gave us another day. We woke up and had breath today. There's sunshine and the world is functioning basically the same way it did yesterday. And we probably haven't thought even for a few moments about this gift because we don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. It really is a free gift. God does a tremendous amount for us, uh, more than we even conceive, without requiring us to acknowledge him for every little bit of it. Now, we acknowledge him in a big way by worshiping him, you know, and that's why it's so important to do at least once a week at the in the mass uh, on the Lord's Day on Sunday to worship Him and then you know to give Him time. That's the virtue of religion, repaying God for what we can't possibly repay Him for. It's justice towards God that's never uh, equal, uh, but is is uh, the best that we can offer, which is our worship to Him. And to end on one little aside here, because I think you just hit on something that I probably never would have thought of um joey is now at the stage in his life when he's trying to get a sleeping pattern and we are reading and dash watching all kinds of videos about it and the number one thing that people keep telling us is be consistent be consistent it'll be hard sometimes to hold the schedule i mean there's going to be times that you're not going to leave wherever you're at but but to consistently be consistent and to think of, of, as you just said, that we take for granted that today is similar to yesterday and there's a consistent pattern to life. You know, I know that until we get to the middle of June, it each day is going to get a bit longer. And then each day is going to get a little bit shorter until we get to the end of December. And there's consistency. Things will always flow with it. And that is such a gift for all of us. Um, to function. So I wanted to to just uh, thank you for pointing that out because it is something that I definitely take for granted how important consistency is because any wildest imagination could exist, but God is opting not to do it that way, to, to give us the gift of consistency. And that is something that I think is something that's incredibly important to think about and how many other blind spots there must be that we just don't recognize that 
gifts that we are given each day. So uh, I really got, I want to thank you for, for your time here, Father, and and on your, on your note of giving things back. That's why this podcast has always been free, and you can go back to any episode you want. We thank those that do. Um, we find that many of our, our new subscribers end up back-channeling a lot through our episodes. So we invite you to continue to do that, and we will be with you again next week.